Welcome to the Impact Learning Visionaries podcast, where we celebrate the unsung heroes of the learning and development industry. As always, we'll be bringing some laughter and a bit of fun along the way, but more importantly, you'll get some incredible insights, key lessons, and unique perspectives on everything related and possibly unrelated to training and development. Let's get this show on the road. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Impact Learning Visionaries. Today, we have with us Lydia Kotmeyer. Lydia is the VP of Operations at Storyblock, um, the first headless content management system that allows editorial teams to manage and organize their content visually and intuitively. Lydia is responsible for successfully helping to scale the Storyblock team from just eight people to over 200 in two and a half years. She's passionate about creating successful teams, building the best experiences for staff, and driving the growth and career path for each of them. Welcome to the show, Lydia. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here with you today. So let's let's just jump straight in. I think just just tell us, you know, a little bit about your your kind of of journey at Storyblock. Um, it seems like you you know you've been there since the beginning um, and have have kind of grown along with what seems like quite a significant growth over two and a half years. And there must be lots of interesting stories in that. Yes, definitely. So I met Dominic uh, in 2019. And at that time, he was just working together with Alex, who is our CTO and located in Brazil. He went to Brazil because of love, and this was also the first reason they decided, okay, I'm in Austria, so Dominic is in Austria, and uh, Alex is in Brazil, so let's found, or let's have a fully remote company. And Dominic and Alex had a great vision in mind, and they were also aware, okay, people will create a great product together with us. So. From the beginning, they had the good product, a great vision, and they understood that people are the biggest asset of Storyblock. And I felt so empowered by these words of Dominic that I said, okay, I will quit my job that I really enjoyed as a business consultant, helping startups um, to grow and build up their finance department and people department. And at that time, Dominic said, I don't know what you will do, Lydia, but I know that I need you. <laughs> so I did not have a job description. I did not exactly know what to expect. And we found it out together. And today I'm leading the finance people and legal and compliance team. We are a team of 236 uh, people in over 40 different countries and nationalities. So that's, I mean, that's obviously firstly amazing, but secondly, I'm I'm quite sure that the you know growing a remote, a fully remote business to 200 plus people is not a job for the faint-hearted. And as as someone who is in the people side of the business, um, and and heading up the people side of the business, I'm guessing that there were many many challenges um, that you you had along the way. Do you want to? I mean, do you want to share kind of probably some of the most, um, the, the biggest ones that that keep you up at nights? Yeah, um, maybe you think that are the easiest, but really, what's the most challenging is shipping. Because if you try to ship something, you notice the boundaries of our country, 
and uh, paying people because, for example, in Europe, we do not have ACH payment. In the US, it's very, very normal. So all these operational challenges we had were quite intense. But also on the L&P side, we saw, okay, it's not so easy to find a vendor who is specialized in fully remote training. There are a lot of like very traditional vendors still out there that believe in in-person trainings. So we had to fully also rethink the business world and say, how do we want to connect people? How do we want to make sure that we develop a culture? And how can we retain people and make it attractive for them to grow with Storyblock? And this started all with a blank page. And now we try to find the best solutions for it. So I, I, don't, I mean, I, I guess a lot of people don't really think very deeply about what you said is, is you know, we, we kind of imagine there's so many different, different kind of challenges with remote working. And I, mean, I think you've probably touched on what is considered to be the biggest one is is there's so many you know kind of statutory challenges with hiring people from different locations around the world. There's tax implications. There's banking implications. There's currency implications. And and I think we get so focused on that side of the of the equation and how we just kind of coordinate teams remotely that we often forget about how these teams learn and. It's quite fascinating to me just thinking about that is, you know, we, we probably think, oh, but this isn't an issue. We just have an online learner management system. But that doesn't really solve the problem. I mean, that's only one part of the equation. So you want to kind of maybe expand on that a little bit and, and talk to like, you know, for many people who think, okay, well, you know, LinkedIn learning or learner management system or any one of these online, you know, kind of, of um, learning platforms is good enough. What are the parts that you that you kind of noticed at the early stage were fundamentally missing from that equation? Yes. Um, so I think you have to rethink also a little bit the way of training. So especially if you're in such a global environment, you have to consider first also time zones. So I'm a really big believer that documentation and especially transparent documentation is key. And then you also have... So I would also um, separate the equation of internal learning and external learning. So internal learning is considered for me as transparent documentation, have a good collaboration tool, use videos like Loom or with Slack, whatever you want to use to also send a nice message where people can see you even if they're not in the same time zone. And... um, what is completely different is that people don't have informal learning. So they will not just walk by your desk and say, hey, I have this problem. What would you do? Or during lunch, they learn from each other. So you have to plan learning really and plan, okay, let's give people a time where they can have just a coffee chat, where they just talk and maybe even learn while they are talking. This is why we introduced a random coffee chat mix up and we have a manager roundtable where people come together, sharing knowledge, talking about it. And um, in, if we have kind of informal learning, because during meetings, people learn from each other, it has to be way more structured with job descriptions, showing people, okay, 
the next job level in the job architecture requires these um, competences, has these responsibilities, and where do we see the gap? So you have to be way more uh, prepared and organized to also show the people the growth path that they can have within a fully remote company. So as as someone who is in a much smaller scale, fully remote company, one of the things that we always have to battle with, and I'm fascinated to hear how you guys have dealt with it, is by very nature of the fact that you don't have people walking past your desk or people meeting in the kitchen while making coffee, is that you end up having much more structure and much more formality to what would generally be kind of off the cuff or had and kind of of impromptu gatherings. And you you start to kind of see almost the people pushing back because of the number of meetings and formal kind of of meetings that have to happen to keep that communication going. Um, have have you noticed that? Have you kind of of dealt with it in any particular way? Because I can imagine the learning and development is just another meeting that people have to attend and there might be a bit of kind of of pushback on that. Yeah, I know what you mean, especially in a remote setup. Uh, meetings become so much or so many meetings that you feel very easily overloaded. This is why um, I ask my team, especially also to always question yourself, what is the goal for a meeting? What do I really want to achieve? Who should be in that meeting? And uh, what is our our timeline? Um, I have recurring meetings in my calendar. However, I saw the same like you. There were recurring meetings. They just stayed in the calendar. And suddenly I had more and more meetings. So I tried to revisit my calendar every three months and rethink also the recurring meetings. What is still the goal of the meeting? Am I achieving it? Yes or no? Because otherwise they just stay in the calendar forever and never end. Yeah. And in, in terms of the, the L&D side specifically around that, I mean, I, I guess you're kind of having to facilitate a lot of the impromptu stuff via, like, you know, whether it's Zoom or Teams or Hangouts. You know, I, I, how, how are you finding that's being handled or received by, by the people? Because they're, they're probably at some stage, I'm guessing, it's, it's, there's been pushback of I've got work to do, I can't, yeah, I can't do these kind of learning sessions in the meeting. Well, we found that's not the case at all. Um, not so much. So I was also very impressed by all the team members we have. So I have experienced that way more in not remote setups that people push back and said, I don't have time. So I think a big reason why I've not experienced it is that we really tried to hire people who are curious, who want to grow, who want to learn and who are ambitious and want to be in a scale up where they know maybe they have to adapt and change all the time. So I think this was the first very important step to hire really the right people for our culture. And the next step um, is that normally if we do a learning session, there is a longer amount for the learning session and there are always two parts. One part that they can do asynchronously whenever they want, so they are not required to be in a meeting. And then normally we have a, a meeting that is also recorded if it's just more a learning meeting where there's no discussion needed. And then also the ask me anything sessions 
where people can actively join and uh, ask the questions. Uh, therefore, the feedback was always quite good. People stick to the deadline. And um, also, I really appreciated all their yeah, willingness to be with us and stay with us and trust us that it will help them in the long run. And we have seen some very good results, for example, also in the sales team, where they have a lot of training sessions or had a lot of training sessions in the last half a year. Yeah, I'm, I'm always, it, it's, it sounds so counterintuitive because I, I've I always like observed these debates, you know, and they're quite, they're quite global debates. The, the kind of move towards remote working um, driven by the pandemic is, is, is kind of like it, it, it was a, it was a much needed system reset to the way that we were working and there have been so many criticisms about it. And, and ironically, one of the criticisms that I've observed is that people spend more time in meetings, they're less productive. Um, and, and you would think, I mean, it, it's so bizarre because you, you would think that, you know, the very example you gave would be the other way around is that the people in remote working are saying, I actually don't have time for all of this stuff because I'm sitting in a lot of kind of, of structural meetings because we're remote. But instead, you observed more, more of that behavior when people were co-located in the same in the same office. There's there is something probably some kind of scientific reason for that. It's it escapes me, but I think it was actually quite a fascinating insight and um, one that I think you know again just just kind of begs a question on you know is remote working the future. Um, and and in 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 I mean you came from a non-remote working environment and now you are in a remote working environment dealing with kind of of cultures which are notoriously hard to build in the first place and building them remotely is is probably a little bit harder. But what is your own kind of of um, your kind of like your 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 change over time? Like how how have you you know kind of seen remote working in like. You're obviously still there, so you embraced it. It sounds like something that you're enjoying. But but you know, maybe just give give the viewers some insight into into kind of your journey around like moving from non remote to remote and and the challenges that that you've observed in others taking that journey. Yeah. Yeah. So when I started at the fully remote company, I was not sure if it will be good for me or not. So I also had to explore it and find my way of routine. So at the beginning, sometimes I worked out of or started reading my emails out of the bed. I completely stopped that, for example, now. So when I stand up, I have my routine, I make my coffee, I dress nicely, I have a 15 minutes walk because I missed that. I missed that from uh, my path that I had to go out of my apartment, had fresh air, and then I started working. Um, so I added this routine, routine in the morning with my partner nightly, and uh, then I start um, my work, my remote work. And um, what I also recognize is that sometimes it can feel lonely and uh, starting completely in the silence, especially on a Monday, on a rainy Monday, is very lonely. And I started listening more to radio again, listening to music. 
music that does not distract me. So we are also offering, for example, headspace to our team where you can play music and after two hours it stops so that you also recognize, oh, I worked two hours in one block. So maybe I should do a short break also. Um, so I also had to build some nice routines. And if I look at it right now, it perfectly fits to my lifestyle. So like I mentioned, I'm from Austria. My partner lives in Germany. I have a flexibility. I also enjoy when the days are not that long and the sun, sun goes down uh, very, uh, very early. I love going for a run or have a longer lunch break, enjoy the sun a little bit. So for me, it fits very nicely right now. I don't believe that remote will be the future in every industry, but in software as a service, it's definitely possible and doable if people want to do it. So I'm, I'm not going to go down the four day working week rabbit hole, but I'm going to change, <laughs> change the uh, trajectory because I, in, in the conversation, um, prior to this, you kind of mentioned your love for both people and numbers and often those are two diametrically opposed things because you know if we're speaking in the most general sense my observation is often um the numbers people are not great on the people skills and the people people are not great on the number skills and you are this unique unicorn that happens to like them both um how how has that actually played out i mean how how have you found the kind of of intersection or overlap or the Venn diagram, if you want to kind of imagine it that way, of of the kind of people and and kind of commercial side? Mm-hmm. So for me personally, I believe I found the passion because I was a tutor for bookkeeping, um, economics, and business administration. So I was training people on fine topics. And um, I learned, like you said, how different people are, how different you have to explain specific topics to people because they understand it differently. They need a different way of explanation. And um, at the end, all these different yeah, people also help me to understand and learn the topic better. And um, sometimes the different point of views also can help a company to even grow so at Storyblock, I thought the discussions always very rich between the people team and the finance team. And we even did like a personal test with the teams and tried to figure out, okay, uh, which personality types they have. It was quite interesting that the personality types were uh, very similar also in the finance and the people team. Um, but like I said, the different backgrounds, the b- different point of views, our views can also help the company to grow and even find a better uh, version for, for the company. And I would guess that probably the similarity has a lot to do with the culture of the company because generally you you look to kind of of hire people who, who fit the values and culture of the company. But did ask you know in, in terms of you personally because I think uh, a lot of people who who kind of go into some form of learning and development um, inevitably probably hit that that kind of of um, I suppose barrier is to be effective you know you've you've got to understand human dynamics but you've also got to understand commercial realities and 
curious to know if, if, you know, kind of as someone who's got both of those as a kind of love and passion is just thinking back of how that's, how that has kind of influenced and whether, whether it's helped you overcome any perceived roadblocks or challenges that you might've had if you hadn't had those combinations of skills. Very interesting question. I believe it helped me a lot uh, during the investor meetings and uh, understanding what their um, yeah what their goal is with Storyblock and combining it with the need of the team because I was able to find a good way to combine uh, the numbers uh, that we should achieve with the wishes or needs that the team has because in a software company. Uh, your personal costs are the, one of the highest costs. So you have to really have a deep look into that. And especially with the high inflation, you can imagine it was quite challenging to create a merit increase that is affordable on the one hand. And on the other hand, um, also helps to retain the talents and also help the talents yeah, deal with the difficult situation for them with such a high inflation and understanding both sides, I believe, helped me to explain the situation often to people and give people context. Most of the time I have uh, seen that people, if you give them an explanation and context, understand why you're doing it and they also accept your decision. However, saying no because of numbers is sometimes something that's not always fun. But you have to learn it and as a manager you have to do it also so i cannot always just look at the people side i have to find a good balance and that can be challenging yeah and i think you've hit the nail on the head is is you know is um as as one of the biggest challenges is is that a lot of this stuff costs money and there's so many different components of of businesses that that require kind of of funding and cash flow, you know, going into them, and it's it's always such a hard and delicate balance. Um, and often people sitting and and historically, I think learning and development has been a bit of a silo in many organisations. Is they sit with a lot of frustration because, you know, like it or not, they're seen as a bit of a grudge purchase. You know, like why can't we just hire the people with all of these skills? Why do we need to kind of spend lots of money training people on these skills? Yeah, it, it's it's fundamentally incorrect but I, I think that the challenge that I've observed is a lot of the people who gravitate towards that are very very strong on the people side but get so frustrated that you know that somebody has to come and basically burst their dream by bringing money into the yeah. into the process and and I, th- I think it's 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 interesting because I think more and more uh, from the discussions I've I've had on this podcast and with with a whole bunch and a wide range of different people, the the reality is that it's not just LD, it's every aspect of the business is people and financial skills are now becoming really, really critical as a measure of growth and success within organizations. Yeah, whether you're a software developer, an L&D manager, or basically, you know, someone in the accounting team. So um, there wasn't really a question, and I apologize, but um, it was just an observation. Um, but I guess the, the question that comes out of it is, is you know, have you seen that same type of, of kind of, of 
um, reality start to emerge and, and, and how is Storyblock kind of dealing with that? Yeah. So, um, in my past, I have seen that most of the time people is under finance directly. So, uh, directly reporting on the finance. Um, I think calling it also operations and not having finance like more important compared to people and L&D, like you said, is a change that I have definitely seen, especially in the software industry. And uh, also that people are aware, okay, we hire normally a person for a reason. So if we always hire a new person because we are missing one skill, it's very expensive and it's also kind of not efficient, to be honest, because you have to onboard the person, which is also training. You need to see if the person fits into the culture, if you can trust the person and so on. And these are all developments that I can also see. So I fully agree with the statement that you or the observation that you have described before. Um, all right. Uh, just, I suppose, just, um, yeah, my, my kind of, of, um, like final question before I go into kind of like the two closing questions is just looking back at your journey, um, and this this might be this might be a challenging question, but you know you've you've gone through a company that's hyper growth um, by every kind of of I suppose general exponential de definition of what hyper growth is, um, and and along the way you've made a lot of decisions, a lot of choices. I mean, just reflecting back on those, um, is there anything that you would have done differently, and why? Yeah. Um... Uh, and this is more a finance-related topic that uh, also ends up um, for as a result or is impacting a lot of people. Um, I would have introduced a job architecture quicker and a compensation and benefit strategy because uh, this will ensure everyone who starts a scale-up and a startup to um, yeah, compensate everyone fairly, everyone um, according to the job and according to the job level in the architecture. It's not easy when you're younger because you don't have the data. The data uh, is quite expensive, especially if you have to buy it for 45 different countries. So I'm happy that we introduced it last year quite quickly. And also, um, yeah, I think we did not do it too late, but uh, Doing it a little bit earlier uh, would have been way more stressful and a little bit fairer for some team members as well. So you can see that if you take some finance decisions that are about, that are about compensation, about benefits, they have such big, um, yeah, also outcomes or effects for the team that you need to really think wisely how you do it, how you set it up and how you communicate it and train the people on these topics. So I, I I normally ask um I normally ask you to kind of give a, a bit of sage advice to to other people like learning and development people watching this podcast. I'm gonna ask you that but I'm also gonna kind of of throw a little bit of a curveball your way and, and ask it from both sides. So I, you know 
the 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 two like the fascinating thing here is that you are dealing both in kind of of training people remotely but you yourself are a remote worker and you work with other remote workers and they themselves have you know that this whole digital nomad kind of concept of being able to wander around the world being able to dock in in different places and work has has raised so many different challenges because yeah, and I know it's probably not specifically related to your model because you probably have people that are based in these countries and aren't moving around the world, but the the kind of of ultimate expression of remote working is being able to essentially deal with people irrespective of geographical border and and the restrictions of that border. So the the let me ask the 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 more complex question first is is putting yourselves into the shoes of of a kind of remote workers um looking to essentially um you know kind of 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 being able to have that freedom moving around the world learning um you know kind of of just just actually growing some kind of i guess um financial wealth what what was the, what is the advice that you would give to to kind of remote workers you know in terms of how they keep their skills relevant what are the kind of big things that that you think that they should be aware of as they're starting to kind of enter the this kind of growing remote working space especially cross border like you guys have done i think that's the most interesting part here yeah. So in general, when I think uh, what I would advise as a, a manager, and um, it's, I think this is not a difference if you're in a remote company or an office company, never be afraid that uh, you share knowledge, that you document transparently and that you communicate transparently. So also in a remote setup, you have to write way more, you have to document so everyone can see what you're doing, how you're doing it. And don't be afraid of, of sharing this knowledge and see people maybe grow and even become maybe hopefully better than you sometimes. So um, give people really also the the trust and the chance to grow. And what we also say is, okay, you can block in your calendar learning time. So two hours per week, they can really block in their calendar and say, no, I don't want to do meetings because uh, I would like to do research and would like to learn and, and develop. And um, if you, so we also have a career development fund and we really call it career development fund and not um, personal development fund because I want the people to think also about their career. Yes, I'm their manager and I should show them the path where they can develop, but development is not a one-way street i can show them the path but they have to walk it through and it also has to make somehow sense for the company so i cannot let people grow into a direction if this is not the need for the company this is why we also called it career development fun so have a, also a review cycle with your team members a formal one in a remote setup where you maybe also document the goals. Um, we have, for example, introduced the visa model where we have a vision per department, um, a mission, and then the goals. And every individual 
has to fulfill these goals and sees the progression of the goals. So they also see it visually. And I think these are really the, the main points for me that people understand that learning comes from both sides. I can help them, I can support them, give them freedom, but they have to learn. And they also have a responsibility to develop their self. And now going back to the more traditional kind of question I ask is, is you come from a really, really interesting and unique perspective. You are, you're like on the ground floor of a startup, um, that, that has, um, made a decision that they're going to be fully remote and has against all odds, um, grown at, at a hyper growth rate. Um, there may be other people now who are starting to kind of of enter into startups um, in in a kind of similar position of having to, to understand how to manage um, learning and development, which which becomes almost an alignment challenge, you know, and and dealing with with the kind of challenges of people not having the ability to get up and and walk to someone else, ask for help, or you know be able to kind of have an informal conversation with people entering those types of environments. What's, what's the single most important piece of advice that, that you would give to them? So if you want to move or if you want to start a fully remote company, you need to really look at the people that you're hiring or at your personality. So before you start at the remote company, ask yourself the question, Am I self-motivated? Am I self-driven? So do I need someone who always tells me what to do, when to do, how to do it? Or do I enjoy the way that I can do it on my own pace, whenever I like it, uh, how I like it? Because not sitting next to each other also allows you to find a different way to the goal sometimes. So I've seen it with my coworkers that I would have done it differently, but they really liked their way how they came to the result. So uh, it was interesting to see and compare. And if you answer the question, okay, uh, I feel often lonely. I um, I like it more if my boss is with me, tells me what to do, when to do it. I prefer to have clear working schedules. Rethink if remote is the perfect uh, option for you. And this is no better or worse. It's a individual decision for everyone. Yeah, and I, I like the way that you also kind of talked about, you know, the uh, it's it's a village, you know, so understanding that everybody comes with some really interesting value, insights and value to the process and to to not try and do everything yourself, but to tap into other people's experiences. Um, you know, it's, it reminds me of a, uh, uh, one of my favorite quotes from Steve Jobs and, and I'll paraphrase, you know, he said, I don't hire great people so I can tell them what to do. I hire them so they can tell me what to do. Um, yeah. So yeah. Final question. Um, is we always ask, we always end off by asking our guests um, on the show to share if you know uh, a recent book or a podcast or something that's mm -hmm. that's really made you kind of rethink or given you some kind of aha moment um, with with the viewers. 
listeners? Yeah. So I chose, or I would choose the book, The Culture Map, because it's a very interesting book that explains more about feedback in different cultures, communication in different cultures. They also have some statistics or some nice graphs where they show, okay, who gives more direct feedback, not so direct feedback. And um, of course I knew it and I was aware that it is uh, that way, but it helped me again to one more time understand you cannot expect everyone to understand the same things if you say something in a certain way. So sometimes you will ask yourself, I said it so clearly, why did it not happen? And then maybe also step back and ask yourself, okay, is that, would they communicate the same way in the culture? Would they maybe explain it differently in the culture? Or um, yeah, is it maybe a fault of my management style or my training style uh, that the people did not understand me correctly? And this is why I would suggest uh, this book, especially for remote companies or global remote companies. Let's say it like that. No, I think that's that's brilliant, brilliant suggestion. And thank you for sharing that. And I think yeah, we, we didn't even touch on the cultural aspects. I mean, we, we talked about company cultures, but then within company cultures, there's also cultures and the the different communication styles, the different like worldviews that we all come from, the different backgrounds we come from. Um, and and that also presents a challenge. And I, I think this has been a, a really important conversation because the world is becoming more and more globalized. You know, the 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 constraints that we saw 30, 30 or 20, 30 years ago of, you know, kind of being able to function as a business cross-border is breaking down because of you know, SaaS and, and technology companies starting to to realize that that technology allows you to work at a global level. And and as a result, I think the, the leading companies like yours are starting to understand that they don't have to be constrained within one geographical region. You know, they suddenly it makes it exciting because you can temp you know, instead of fishing from a small pond, you can now tap into the the best and brightest around the world. And I think the more companies realize that, the better. But again, you know, um, with 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 the good comes the challenge. And I think you've given us great insight yeah. into what the, some of those challenges are. So, yeah, I just wanted to say thank you, Lily, for joining us on the show. It's been absolutely wonderful having you with us and, uh, and wish you all the best as you hopefully go from 200 to 400 to 1,000. Yeah. Thank you. It was lovely talking to you. Hey, thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Impact Learning Visionaries. If you found it interesting or helpful, please subscribe by clicking on the button down below so you don't miss our next one. Also, be sure to check out our Reality Bytes blog for more information on how technology is aiding in learning development. Links are all in the description below. Go check it out. Thanks a lot. Bye.